It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Good afternoon again, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk. We are with you until 6 o'clock this evening. And the phone line is open. Matt Daniels is here. Scott Ritchie is here. Bob Osmussen is with us on the telephone as well. Matthew, how are you today, buddy? Doing well, Steve. How are you? Kicking along on a Monday afternoon. No Big Ten basketball for a couple of nights. Yeah, it's. Uh, I hate to say, but we are used to no sports. <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting along uh, as, as just business as usual in, in the news cassette sports department, but... Uh, all eyes pointing to Friday night's showdown uh, here in Champaign that, again, this is a theme we've talked throughout, but just the fact that there's really no crowds at, the, at these games. You just have to feel for the players and the coaches involved in, in this, this Friday night's Illinois-Iowa game uh, that there won't be any spectators there because that's what made last year's game in Champaign was the atmosphere inside State Farm Center. And Scott, I think you'll agree with me because I sit next to Scott at the games and it's just not the same inside an arena with uh, no band playing and no crowd and especially when you get into these rivalry games like this. Yeah, it's still weird. How I mean, we're 13 games into the season or 15 games in the season, excuse me, for Illinois and I it's still a strange moment where it's like five or six minutes until tip and you know Illinois is getting ready to come back out onto the court to finish up pregame warm-ups and there's absolutely nothing going on in the arena and that's strange although I imagine Fran McCaffrey is fine with there not being any fans <laughs> for Friday night because the Orange Crush trolled him hard last year in the regular season finale one of the I mean all of the signs that they brought in were that was one of the best things of the entire season. But, uh, yeah, just I'll be looking forward to basketball for the first time in 10 days, and I'm sure Illinois will be in kind of the same boat. I was in the same boat, too. They they had a game canceled, so they're they're not playing again until Friday night, and uh, should still, be good. They're still searching for their defense, too. <laughs> well, Indiana didn't really build on their win no. in <laughs> Iowa City, did they? Uh, you know, I think the home court advantage – there still is a bit of an advantage to playing in your own surroundings, in your own gym, but I don't think uh, it's that big of an advantage with no fans. Yeah, I mean, Indiana uh, pulled off a shocker last week and, and beat Iowa pretty soundly, too. And then Rutgers, I know, Scott, you've been on the Rutgers bandwagon, and I'm sure you've fallen off like the rest of America, but they they apparently played well and, and knocked off the Hoosiers Sunday in the only Big Ten game of the day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I watched it because it was the only Big Ten game of the day, and it started early, so I was like, well, that's perfect. But yeah, Rutgers had lost five in a row and six of their last seven in Big Ten play. Had one yet this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they thought the, 2020 was bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they beat Indiana. I'm, I won't maybe go as far as saying they played well, but they played, you know. Played better than Indiana. Played better than Indiana, so that's a, 
a low bar maybe on a Sunday early afternoon. But um, it was just a strange week for the Big Ten in general. I mean, you look at, you know, Purdue beats Ohio State, then Ohio State turns around and beats Wisconsin. I mean, there was a lot of that going on. And, I mean, it felt like even more than had been sort of typical in the Big Ten this season. The Illini up three spots this week in the AP poll at number 19. I see they're number seven in the net rankings, if you uh, follow along with that. Bob Osmussen with us on the telephone. Bob, how are you? How was your weekend? It was great, and hopefully you got to play some more golf, Steve. Did you play today? Because I'd be really impressed if you did. Well, I'd li- as much as I'd like to impress you, I didn't play today. <laughs> I did play last Thursday, so I've got a couple of uh, January rounds in, so Looks like that might be it for the month of January. But I wanted to talk. Uh, t- wanted, to, wanted to ask you before I forget about uh, uh, you and I haven't talked since Friday's passing of Hank Aaron. And I know that uh, was one of your favorite guys and uh, your favorite team. And uh, let's get your thoughts on that. I shouldn't have an athlete as a hero, but he he was my hero. He really was from, from really about the age of nine or 10. I wrote about it. And it's, it's really it's tough, and obviously he was an older guy, and yeah, you know, we never know how long we're going to be around. But it was unfortunate because he had such a good life, both on the field and off, and just a great person and an even better player. And I heard the discussion this morning, I think, with uh, Lauren, is, is Anchor the best player of all time? Well, that's a tough call. But in my mind, surely. And he, it's a discussion. I don't think he's the best home runner hitter of all time. No question about that, because he didn't take rights. So automatically he's better than Bonds. But I, I just think he was a great person. I really admire what he did for the sport, for his, for just everything. He's a really cool guy. I've got a baseball signed by him, but I never got to meet him in person, which was uh, kind of sad, but that's okay. I, I got to talk to him on the phone one time, and that was good enough. We've got the phone lines open, 356-9397. Let's go to the phones. Carl is with us. Hey, Carl, good evening. Good evening. Bob, this is what I called about, but I have, I wanted to mention, I think Henry Aaron is the best all-around hitter of all time. And uh, actually, I was thinking about it. The last Major League game I ever saw was with Hank Aaron in it. And so, I'm jealous. That's in 19, really cool. And in 1974. But what I wanted to ask you is, Coach B has hit the ground running with uh, recruiting. How does that compare with what uh, Ron Zook did in 2005? I would say, I'd say, good question, Carl. I would say it's pretty similar. Ron Zook started recruiting the second he got here. So it was really admirable what he did. And Ron Zook turned this thing pretty quickly to be good in three years at where, where they were, which is about as bad or worse than Illinois is right now. I think that was amazing, but I think these guys are doing the same thing. It looks similar in a lot of ways. The staffs are similar in terms of the kind of age they have. They have a lot of the young guys, a lot of go-getters. So I, I think this is going to work pretty well with, with the guy, this guy. I think you make a good comparison between Ron Suck and Coach Bielema. I think it's very similar. Uh, I mean, because it just seems like he's just moving – at a rapid pace with this Cause it's, and building it's mess, relationships. Right? It's a mess, so they got they got a lot of work to do. I remember tomorrow, 
Don't expect this thing to be a one-year turnaround. That doesn't mean they can't win six or seven games. They could. But that would take some real great fortune. But I think the long-term being able to win consistently, which they're all talking about, that's going to be uh, that's going to be more of a progress. It's going to take several years, I think, to get that level. But I think the first steps he's taken are really good in my mind. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, Carl. Bye. One other thing um, about uh, Hank Aaron. Carl actually called in Saturday and asked the question with the uh, Negro League stats now counting uh, with Major League Baseball mm-hmm. stats. wonder how many he hit in the Negro League. I looked it up. It took me a while to find it. Mm-hmm. He hit five okay. in 36 at-bats with the Indianapolis Clowns in 1952. So that would give him 760 and keep him two behind Barry's, Barry Bonds. Still the all, he's, still, he's still the all-time home run leader in my mind. Mine too. I think Me too. I never, I've never seen Bonds' home run, the record breaker. So it doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was going to say that I did see that one, so it's hard to maybe wipe that memory, but um, there might have been morning. a little extra juice Ooh. involved. Yeah, I see what you did there, Scott. That, that was good. That, hey. was, that was punny. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. We're heading towards 6 o'clock. If you'd like to join us, 3569397 is the number. We'll take our first time out and be back with more after this here on DWS. 522 on Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. Steve Kelly along with Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, Scott Ritchie, sports writers from the News Gazette coming up tonight at 645 right here on the station, Illini women's basketball pregame show with Mike Kuhn. The Illini taking on Nebraska tonight in Big Ten play at the State Farm Center game set to tip off shortly after 7 o'clock. And on WHMS, Light Rock 97.5 tonight at 7, it'll be the Brad Underwood Show with Brian Barnhart, the Illini head coach, also volleyball coach Chris Thomas, and former Illinois basketball player Sean Harrington scheduled on the show tonight at 7 on Light Rock 97.5. Let's go back to the telephones here, and Steve with a question for Bob Osmussen. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, good talk to you. Hey, Bob, I'm going back. I'm 69 years old, but I'm going back to my Little League days, and our baseball manager, Coach, he had several different bats for the kids, but it started with a 28-inch bat and it went up to 31 or 32. But because I was smaller, I always took the 28-inch bat, and it said Louisville Slugger, and it was signed by Henry Aaron. And that's the only bat I ever used in Little League for two to three years. But that's my memory of Hank Aaron. And then the second one is, are you going to keep up with uh, former U of I assistants under Lovey if they land on their feet and where they go? Because uh, I really like Mike Bellamy, and I just hope he lands on his feet somewhere. Oh, definitely. We're definitely going to keep up on that. Jimmy Lindsay already got a job. He's going to South Carolina. Uh, I'm checking on these guys all the time. I heard from Rod Smith last week. He doesn't have anything yet. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in those, those guys. And I'll hopefully be talking to those guys like Mike Bellamy in the future. It's funny about Hank Aaron. I meant to mention this earlier. You guys don't know this. Steve might know this. He Part of his career, early in his career, he he had cross at it. You ever heard that, Steve? You knew yes. that, probably, right? Yes, I did hear that. And that's kind of crazy. It was as good as he was hitting cross at it. 
some smart manager or coach took him aside and said, Hank might have might wanted to turn the bat this way and fixed it. And he, and he hit a lot of home runs. But pretty amazing that he was able to do what he did with really his messed up batting style. You know, by hitting crosshands, that might have helped him in the long run. That might have, you know, everybody talked about his strong wrists. And if you're hitting a right. baseball crosshand, <laughs> that probably makes his wrist pretty strong to, to be able to do that. So, Great point. Great point. Uh, yeah. Anything he, else, he, uh, Steve? Nope, I just want to say my Henry Aaron memory as a little kid. And uh, like I said, I just want to follow up on the U of I guys because they were great guys, and I hope they land on their feet and their families and everything. Good enough. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. The coaching staff for uh, Brett, uh, Brett Bielma is set. Receivers coach George McDonald officially introduced today. We had him on the Saturday show. We'll have a couple of his comments from his Zoom press conference today. And then tomorrow, outside linebackers coach Kevin Kane will be introduced. Some other basketball news. Scott Ritchie, Io Desumu in the top 10 for the Bob Cousy Award for the uh, top point guard of the year. No surprise there. Two other, rather one other player in the Big Ten, Marcus Carr, is on that list. And uh, the other eight names are pretty good on that list as well. Yeah, it's Io's in some pretty good company. And, I mean... It's sort of a list of finalists, but you know players can play themselves on and off uh, of the the list for the Bob Cousy Award, which is given to the top point guard in the country as the season kind of wraps up. But yeah, uh, some pretty stiff competition. You know, you're looking at Jared Butler from Baylor, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, um, and then two sort of unique point guards, uh, both freshmen, uh, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State and Scotty Barnes from Florida State. They're both six eight and maybe more point forward in terms of size, but uh, really good players. So it'll be interesting to see who wins that. Of course, uh, D. Brown was the Bob Cousy Award winner back in 2006. The uh, Big Ten standings now, Michigan at 8-1 and one and on hold <laughs> for two weeks, or I guess it could be less, but could be two weeks that before the, they would play again and they would lose out on uh, playing four games in that span, and the first one back would be against Illinois, if that holds up. Yeah, and I mean, who knows, to be honest, but uh, Wolverines won't lose any ground at the top of the Big Ten standings. Um, they make it a little tougher for everyone else to try and get back in the mix. But uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan's pl- probably playing as good a basketball as anybody in the conference, and now they get to stay home for at least two weeks. Michigan up to number four in the ratings this week. Yeah, that was a really, uh, I wouldn't say... It was kind of jarring news to hear late Saturday night when when that news broke and and just kind of the ramifications of that and the fact that they're not doing anything for these two weeks. They're not practicing. They're not doing any team activities, anything like that. And and you have to wonder what that is going to be like when they do get back on the court. And hopefully it is their first game against the Illini in in a couple weeks, uh, just in, in terms of getting their their rhythm back. You know, I'm sure the players are doing something in their dorm room apartments whether it's just dribbling the basketball a lot and annoying their neighbors or getting doing push-ups doing push-ups <laughs> sit-ups things like that but just the the cohesion the the cohesion that's needed uh you know to to make sure that they're they're out there playing the, the way they have been playing the first couple months of the season is going to be very interesting to to see it all transpire when they do get on the court again but i mean it came out of nowhere with this yeah it did recommendation or order it's a little it's been loosely defined what the the health department there in Michigan, you know, wanted, but 
Michigan felt good enough to like reschedule some of its women's basketball games that have been postponed because of COVID um, earlier that same day. So and and if and I mean they played Purdue on on Friday night after uh, Sasser Stefanovic at Purdue had tested positive for COVID nineteen. So that's just yeah, I don't know. And, and Michigan like requested that Purdue test more before they played that game just to make sure yeah it was that's gonna affect that's gonna affect some illinois athletic programs in the next couple weeks illinois wrestling teams uh slated to go to iowa city this sunday they're gonna wrestle uh iowa who's number one in the country and then michigan's number two was supposed to be there in a triangular meet now obviously michigan's not going to be there and then the uh, illinois men's gymnastics team was supposed to compete against the wolverines i think february 7th or so and that that's already been postponed as well Illinois wrestling, a good story to start yeah. the season, 4-0, with another big win. And so, okay, you're 4-0, and and in the top 10, how about going against number one, Iowa? Yeah, it's, on the uh, road. it's not only a big uh, week for Illinois men's basketball with its uh, showdown against Iowa, too, but a chance for Jim Heffernan's program uh, to really kind of shock the college wrestling world and uh, take down the Hawkeyes in, in their own building on, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, pretty cool what they've been able to accomplish, too. And uh, you have to think back to, uh, obviously, last March when the pandemic struck and the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled. That was just a, a punch to the gut and, and really just, you know, upsetting news to hear. But also, you know, wrestling lost out on its chance to go to the NCAA championships, which were scheduled about a week after everything was, was shut down. And uh, a lot of guys back from... That team last year, including two local products and Justin Cardani from Centennial and, and Luke Luffman from Urbana, who are NCAA qualifiers, and, and they're really helping out uh, this year's team. You know, Luffman got the big win Friday night against Purdue at heavyweight to secure the, the team victory. So uh, good things going on right now for Jim Heffernan's wrestling program. And volleyball off to an impressive start, and they too have to take on the number one team in the country. Next. Yeah, no, uh, I guess that goes to show you what it's like playing a Big Ten only uh, only conference schedule. and. Uh, you know, Scott followed it more closely than I did this past weekend, but they, they were able to go to Iowa City and, and get two wins against the Hawkeyes, who were, I'd say, in kind of the bottom tier of the Big Ten volleyball pecking order. But uh, Chris Thomas Turn is now, spend is, later uh, during Blaine's is, is going to get a, that's a, the, the trials of live radio right there. There's a lot of buttons. No, I accidentally hit the mouse. That's all right, Steve. You know? You're fine. Um, my little finger, if you want to. A replay of it. A little finger slid across the mouse and started that spot. We'll try to get that reloaded and get that in our next break. Uh, but number one, Wisconsin comes to, to Champaign. Um, in normal times, you'd have to think that would be a near sellout, if not a sellout, at Huff Hall and uh, you know prime time Friday night match possibly. But instead, it's a 3 p.m. matinee this Friday with no fans at at Huff Hall. And I know we've talked before about how weird it is with basketball and, and the atmosphere, but you have to think that's really strange too for volleyball i know the players do a good job of creating their own energy and their own emotions but that is such a sport that can just switch in the matter of a minute or two in, in terms of the momentum and it's palpable when you're in the building and uh yeah they get to play him at 3 p.m on friday and then turn right around and play him again at 11 a.m saturday so uh we're gonna know a lot more about this the direction of this illinois volleyball team after this upcoming weekend 5:30 wdws champagne urbana monday night sports talk with you phone lines are open 356 Nine three nine seven, and maybe some good news on the high school front. Trying to figure that out. Cross but, your uh, fingers, your toes. Get your lucky rabbit's foot out. Don't uh, don't jinx it too much. Supposed yet. to know more yeah. this week. Yeah, I mean it was encouraging news on on Friday. 
kind of the Friday afternoon news dump that's kind of been seemed to be a common theme uh, during this pandemic. But uh, with this region that we're in right now, region six being moved to phase four, that means that all youth sports, which includes high school sports, can can actually play sports. Um, so you've seen uh, a bunch of high school teams in the area get going here in the last couple of days or so to get practices. And now kind of the focus turns to, to Wednesday, the HSA uh, board of directors is supposed to meet. And at that meeting, they're supposed to hammer out kind of season schedules. Now they've got to cram a ton of sports into a short amount of time on the calendar. So it'll be really interesting to see how they divvy all that up. If they have seasons overlap, if they just make even more condensed seasons for some of the sports as well. But the good news is, is let's hopefully stay in uh, phase four, if not improve even more. Although I think the next phase is phase five, which means everything's all clear and that's obviously not going to happen in the next couple of days, but uh, it's a good step in the right direction. And uh, let's, let's hope that it stays that way for these high school athletes to get some sort of season in this school year. We'll see how that plays out and uh, to have football and basketball potentially going at least part of the time at the same time uh, will be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because you have some people I think that uh, I think are going to be okay with the seasons overlapping and you're going to have, Schools that are going to do, I think, everything possible to make sure that athletes don't miss out on any more opportunities. And uh, again, there's probably a lot of paperwork and rules and things that have to be worked out. But you know, if you say you're a football player and a basketball player, I'm sure there's going to be schools out there that are going to try to make sure you can be at both events at the same time. Now, maybe the HSA comes out and does a five-week season for uh, winter sports like basketball. And then since they move football to it's considered a spring sport this school year, which is really weird to wrap your head around, but maybe they do a five, six week season with that. And then you go to, you know, kids in baseball or softball and, uh, girls soccer, track and field athletes that missed out on everything last spring when it was all getting shut down. You would hate to see even more taken away from them this school year. So the IHSA, I don't envy their position at all because they're going to make whatever decisions they make out of Wednesday, there's going to be some people that are upset by them. Um, but the, <laughs> the fact, it's underselling it. Yeah. That's, that's putting it lightly, but the fact that they're just having uh, a high school sports season, I think is, is encouraging because it seemed even last week at this time that there was really no hope for high school sports and, and when, or if they may start again. Did you guys watch football yesterday? National Football League uh, playoffs, championship games, uh, divisional championship games? Watched a little bit of it. Uh, the ageless wonder of Tom Brady continues to amaze. Uh, the end of the first half against the Packers-Bucks game uh, was pretty telling. Uh, you know, Tom Brady still got pretty good arm strength for a 43-year-old with uh, the way he threw the ball at the end of the first half to get a late touchdown that really kind of propelled them uh, past the Packers. And, uh, you know, cool... Storyline two uh, with Tampa Bay getting to be the first ever NFL team to play uh, the Super Bowl in its home stadium, albeit it's is a weird year. I think they're going to have, what, 22,000 fans or so at the Super Bowl. Um, and then obviously with the Chiefs, the local connection there is is Nick Allegretti, the, the former Illini, in his second season with the Chiefs gets a chance to to win his second Super Bowl ring, which is pretty cool. And he's got a huge role, too. It's not like last year when he was a rookie where he was just a special teams contributor and came in at the end of games if that on the offensive line he started every game for the Chiefs at left guard uh, since mid-October and has done well and got some national praise uh, from Tony Romo uh, pride of EIU uh, during uh, during last night's AFC championship game so um, I like the Chiefs I, I think but 
I think it's foolish to bet against Tom Brady too. I mean, I'm in the anybody but Tom camp. (laughs) (laughs) We learned a a lesson with both games yesterday, and it's you don't win games with field goals. That's true. Bob, what were your thoughts after watching that action yesterday? Well, I I like Scott. I wonder what the guy, the Packers coach, was thinking. Well, apparently, wasn't thinking. I'm sure the people up there were really happy with that decision. But yeah, it was insane. And the fact that Brady threw three picks in the second half and still won the game kind of tells you what he feels. When they heard the number, how many times he's been in the uh, title game, conference title game, I think the number is 13 or 14. It's crazy. And he's been to 10 Super Bowls. Is that right? That's that's insane. It's just he is certainly the best of all time. They'll never be. I'll say this right now. They'll never be anybody as good as him at quarterback in the NFL. Even though Pat Mahomes is off to a great start. I can't think of Super Bowl. I don't know, but you guys, I'm really excited because I really don't know what's going to happen. I assume that the Chiefs will win, but I think Brady gives uh, gives the uh, Tampa Bay fighters chance. It's interesting that in 55 years it's never happened yeah. where uh, a team ended up playing. Because the Super Bowl sites are mm-hmm. picked years in advance, three or four years in advance at least. There's been a couple of near misses on that. The teams that had they won the um, championship game of the AFC or NFC would have gotten to play at home, but it didn't work out. So that's kind of an interesting twist, and the the fact there will be some fans there too. Yeah, I think they're expecting 22,000 or so, and I think 7,500 of those are going to be frontline health workers, uh, which is a cool nod that the NFL is is doing. And uh, that's about, I think they're – capacity down in Raymond James Stadium they were going to set up for the Super Bowls around 75,000 or so but again you watch the games in Green Bay and Kansas City and there were fans there and uh, even just the way they were spaced out in the stadiums it it almost kind of felt like a normal somewhat normal football game so good to see that uh, happening but yeah it's it's going to be very interesting there's going to be plenty of talk about Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes is trying to become the the first quarterback to lead a team to back-to-back Super Bowls since Brady did it uh, 17 years ago when Patrick Mahomes was probably in grade school. <laughs> now Tom Brady's <laughs> gonna gonna try to just add another chapter to his legacy. And this, I think, too, is it's also kind of proving the fact that yes, Bill Belichick is arguably one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, but Tom Brady had a huge part in the success uh, in in New England. So now, Scott, we've got two weeks of Super Bowl hype before the game gets here. I know you'll be paying attention to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thrilled <laughs> with, with all of that. I mean, it, it's going to Scott be, really does like sports. Yeah, just <laughs> n- not as much football anymore. Uh, but I, I'll watch the Super Bowl because I don't. I think you have to. It's a it's a it, yeah. social experience. Although I'll be watching it by myself, so that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's going to be another one of those weird <laughs> sports events because I mean, there's not going to be. Like Radio Row and you know the Super right. Bowl Media Day and mm-hmm. like everything will be done on Zoom and I hate Zoom. <laughs> uh, can't wait to talk to people in person again. Fun uh, fact: I've never, I've not been on a Zoom call this whole pandemic. Yeah, I've somehow avoided you're that. You're lucky, yeah. but yeah, it's just. I mean, what's made sort of the whole Super Bowl experience and then everything that happens around the game with fans, like, well, it'll be interesting too, gone. just because a huge. A huge reason I think a lot of people watch it too is for the commercials part of it, and uh, you know, be curious to see 
what that part is like and, and how scaled back that may be because I don't know if you're going to have a bunch of companies that are going to want to spend a couple million dollars on Budweiser's not going to do it. They've already announced. Well, sort of. They're not yeah, they're going gonna, to... they're going to donate the money. They're going to donate the money they would have spent for their Budweiser mm-hmm. commercials, but they'll have Bud Light, Bud Light sell or whatever, those commercials in the Super Bowl. And then Pepsi is not going to advertise Pepsi, but will advertise Mountain Dew and like PepsiCo owns... Dr. Pepper too, maybe. Doritos. So, Coke though is pull. Uh, Coca Cola is has pulled all their ads. They're not going to advertise at all. So, strange. So, I mean, no, there's going to be no Budweiser Clydesdales. That's a, a bummer. That's not right. That's um, not. I mean, they're fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Osmos and everybody. <laughs> that was a good timing, Bob. We need to take Thank a break. You. Speaking of timing, at uh, 5.40, Monday Night Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes at 356-9397. We're back with more after this. Stay with us. 5.45, Monday Night Sports Talk. Chugging our way along to 6 o'clock. You've got about 15 minutes to get in. If you'd like to, 356-9397 is the phone number here at uh, DWS. Women's basketball coming up on the air tonight on this station at uh, 7 o'clock, the Illini and the Nebraska Cornhuskers from the State Farm Center. You'll hear the uh, pregame show with the Cooner, Mike Coon, 645. On uh, WHMS at the same time, we'll have the Brad Underwood show this evening. Uh, Brian Barnhart, Brad Underwood, joined by volleyball coach Chris Thomas. Also some basketball conversation with former Illini sharpshooter Sean Harrington coming up tonight on the Brad Underwood Show on the Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. As we uh, mentioned earlier, the Brett Bielma staff is complete with the last couple of guys uh, being uh, hired late uh, last week and officially intru- introduced this week. Today it was former Illini receiver and kick returner George McDonald, and he talked today about uh, coming back. And representing the Orange and Blue. I take it with great honor. You know, I told Coach B when we were going through this process, you know, everything that I am as a person, some good, some bad, it's, it's all traced back to here at Illinois. You know, I mean, I came from Buena Park, California, just a kid, the first person to go to school and to graduate here. I've had some amazing highs. You know, I've had some some lows that have changed my life while I was here. And, you know, I think the, the biggest thing, you know, from Lou Tepper to Ron Turner to Greg McMahon to – all those coaches, I just want to give what they gave to me back to the players that I'm going to have, in, um, that I'm going to be in charge of. And, you know, I think and I, when I talk to Josh, you know, it's you always want to win where you're at, but it's totally different when you're part of the, the program. You know, like I like to say, like, my blood is in the bricks. You know, I was I was here. I played. We had some great wins, some some tough losses and all that. So it just means. You know, it just means a little bit more to be back and to be able to, to invest in these kids and give them the opportunities that I've been able to, to have since I've, since I've left here. That's George McDonald. He is the wide receivers coach for Brett Bielma. Bob, you and I were on the football beat uh, way back when, 1995 to 98, when uh, he played. Let's get uh, your thoughts on not only his addition, but uh, to the staff as it stands now. Well, I think it was really, really important for them to have a former Illini on the staff. I They've had one. I, I can't remember, Steve, when the last time they didn't have one on the staff. So I think it was good. I think he's ready to come back home. So I think it was a really good hire 
by Brett Bielema, and no, Matt's going to make fun of me, but I really think it was a good hire. And uh, it, was, it was funny. We said that he, in our uh, pre-production meeting that you would think it was a good hire, Bob. So, Well, of course I do. But he was, uh, it was funny because he hadn't seen me in 20-plus years, and he said, hey, Bob, you used to be on the beat, basically saying you're old, which is fine. But it was kind of funny, and I was glad they recognized that. I looked it up today. I've talked to him two or three times since he left here. I think the last time was in 2000, maybe four or before that. In 2001, he was on the Northern Illinois staff that played the Illinois, that Illinois beat that year and on the way to win the Big Ten. So he's been around, but obviously a great great addition in my mind to have him go back, back home. And uh, you, when you say back home, he was originally from California, and uh, he was recruited by Greg McMahon to uh, to come to the U of I, and he did that. And uh, he had a not an outstanding career, but he was a, one of those serviceable kind of guys. I remember him more as a kick returner. He was recruited as a running back, and then they made a wide receiver out of him, but a pretty good kick returner, Bob. Really good returner. I, I remember. I think I haven't checked the list uh, lately, but – I know at the time he was in the top 10 all-time kickoff returns. He might still be in there somewhere. But, yeah, he, he's a good player. Uh, I think he got, kind of got caught uh, there. There were some other good players that came in at the same time. Running back, running back was a tough deal when he got here because there's a guy named Robert Holcomb who was the best that ever played here in my mind. Other Well, best numbers-wise, he's with Grains in terms of the top a couple guys. And uh, he was he was stuck behind it. He was never going to play it. Running back, but receiver would end up being pretty good position for him. So you like what you've seen so far with uh, the recruiting situation and the transfer portal and all that. They've only, you know, Brett's only been on the job for a month, and uh, some of these guys certainly less than that. But do you like what you're hearing so far? Oh yeah, and I really like. It's kind of what Carl said earlier when he called the fact that they're hitting the ground running, which is so critical. But yeah, I think they're doing the right thing. They're Going after everybody, I think these guys are really going to reach far, and they're going to look under rocks and trying to find guys that can help them. And don't worry so much about stars, which I always think is kind of silly to worry about stars. Just get the best guys. Get the guys that you think will fit your program. I think the best Illinois teams had it. Certainly, they had some a combination of really good players, but they also had some guys a little underrated. And I think those underrated guys tend to play out probably a little bit, a little bit harder. And I really think. The emphasis on recruiting at home, recruiting Illinois. Those guys are going to play better for you. You got a kid from Chicago or a kid from Danville. He's going to try hard, just a little bit harder than a guy from far away. Some more George McDonald comments from earlier today. He played for two coaches. He played for Lou Tepper and Ron Turner, so he knows what it's like going through a coaching change, and he thinks that might help him on his new job here. For me to leave the place that I was at, I was really comfortable. My family was comfortable, and I and I told my wife it's going to take something special for us to leave. And then when Josh and Coach B gave me this opportunity and I came here and I looked around, I went back home and I was like, this is it. You know, this is This is special. This is what I want to do. So I think it's I think it's important that you have an alumni back because because there's a connection, right? There's a connection from the past to the future and the, and there's a connection to how this place was and what it can be and maybe why it wasn't. You know, I always go back, we had Simon Rice and Kevin Hardy on the same team. We had Robert Holton, we had Scott Turner, we had a lot of great players. Where was the disconnect? Why didn't it happen? And then if you watch it, you know, they've had great players from Brandon Lloyds to the Greg Lewis's to the Aaron Moorheads. Like, there's been tons of players that have come on here that have gone on to the next level. 
Um, so for me, it's important because I know everything that I've been as a coach has been about developing, right? Developing kids, developing them as people and, and develop them to be high level players. And that's what Coach B has been about wherever he's been. He's developed guys to get to the next level, but he's also developed programs. And as you go along this coaching staff, as I get to know them, like they've all been at places where they've developed really good players and been in really good programs. So like, I'm excited. Like Coach Peterson was at Minnesota before I came there and they had one of the best offenses and they're a really good program. So I'm excited to be a part of this staff. I'm excited to, to represent Illinois as an alumni and to hopefully get it to where we all want it to be with the help of everybody. That's George McDonald, one of the newest additions to Brett Bielma's coaching staff at the University of Illinois. He'll handle the wide receivers for the Fighting Illini. Let's go back to some basketball talk. Scott Ritchie had a chance over the weekend to uh, communicate a bit with uh, Luke Goody, who had a, I'd say, a pretty decent game on <laughs> Friday night when he scored 41 points, which included 10 three-pointers in a win there. And then uh, they got another win on a Saturday night over the uh, previously number one team in the state of Indiana. Not a bad weekend. Yeah, Saturday night was number one versus number two. Uh, Lawrence yeah. North was number one. Homestead uh, out of Fort Wayne was number two. And uh, Homestead, I guess, I mean, it was an upset, uh, at least in name, and you know, a big win for Homestead. And they're now 16-0. and 0, um, And looking like, a, I mean, a legitimate state title contender, which would be their first – um, since six years ago when Caleb Swanigan, Jordan Geist, you know, led that Homestead team uh, to a, a title. And, you know, Luke Goody was kind of talking with him about that a little bit this um, after Friday night's game. And his cousin, uh, Ben, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Skron, Skronik, who played, you know, playing football at Northwestern and then Notre Dame, I was on that team. And it looks like he was in junior high and, you know, he went to Bankers Life Fieldhouse and watched the games and, now he wants to play them himself, uh, but he's having a really good season, and you know, Homestead obviously is as well. A big part of that is they have two future Big Ten guards in the backcourt, and and Luke, and then Fletcher Lawyer, who moved to Fort Wayne from Michigan uh, over the summer, and younger brother of Michigan State point guard Foster Lawyer, and Fletcher's uh, a 2022 commit for Purdue, and they're both averaging 20 plus, and maybe Luke can flip him to Illinois. Maybe. It's only commits, though. Yeah, and Illinois, I don't think I ever got to the offer stage with Fletcher Lawyer, but you know, back in June when they could start contacting 2022 recruits directly, did reach out, had some interest there, but you know, he committed to Purdue pretty quickly in that process. Well, yeah, and, and Luke Goody, what he's been able to do is, is really impressive, and I know when he gets to Illinois, I'm sure the first word next to his name on the scouting report is going to be shooter. Rightfully so, what he did uh, on Friday night with 41 points and, and 10 three-pointers. But as Scott wrote about in, in Sunday's story, and, and you talked to his high school coach as well, Scott, that he's really kind of evolved his game this year and, and made it more uh, multifaceted and, and really just making some some good basketball plays when, when Homestead needs them. Yeah, and I mean he's also gotten bigger. Uh, this is the first year he didn't play football. Um, he was quarterback. starting quarterback, mm -hmm. and I mean – if he would have pursued that, you know, it could have been a D1 quarterback somewhere, I think, um, if he had you know, not been you know, a D1 basketball <laughs> player as well. Uh, but, so he's been able to you know, lift you know, all fall, and he's still lifting in season. And 
the the trainer that he works with in Fort Wayne um, knows Adam Fletcher. Uh, I think there's some Mac overlap between the two of them. And the strength and conditioning world is probably kind of small sure, as well. Sure. So once Luke signed in November, then Adam Fletcher sent a plan to his trainer in Fort Wayne, and he's been sort of doing what he would be doing at Illinois right now, uh, just you know, on his own. So he's getting an early start on Body by Fletch. Yeah, he said he's already he's gained about 20 pounds, um, grew, I think, another inch as well. So he's I've getting closer to that Big Ten. I've watched quite a bit of video on him. He's a, he, and the fact that he's played quarterback previously shouldn't surprise me that he's a pretty good athlete. He's a better athlete than I thought he was going to be when I first started watching. Yeah, and... He does other, th- other things than just stand out there and shoot. Yeah, if he's a terrific shooter, but he's... Like just a basketball player right. uh, as well, but um, yeah, his previous life as a quarterback obviously you know, helps with his decision making and you know getting you know, bigger and stronger over the last six months. You know, his defense has improved quite a bit as well, which I mean he's going to need that need that Big Ten body to kind of deal with the physical play. We, we talk about him a lot because he is a good player and, and plays for arguably the state's top-ranked team in the biggest classification system in, in Indiana, a state known for its high school basketball. But also the reason we talk a lot about him, too, is he's the only recruit right now for <laughs> Illinois in the class of 2021. Scott, when do you think that might change, or is this going to be the only guy they sign in, in the, the 2021 class? Well, it's not going to be the only guy they sign because there's going to be some – holes on the roster that come up whether you know it's Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams mm-hmm. not opting to come back or just as likely you know I would assume leaving for the NBA Kofi Coburn mm-hmm. may be doing the same they're gonna have holes to fill but it's going to be sort of like Brad Underwood's first few years uh, at Illinois where that's a spring and summer project and did kind of discuss one name in particular on my latest episode <laughs> of Inside Illini Basketball, available wherever you get your podcast. But, I was wondering when we were going to get that uh, plug. Texas here. Tech transfer uh, Namari Burnett That's true. is uh, a big name to watch, and you know, Brad Underwood had a, a Zoom with him at the end of this past week, and obviously the only recruited him out of high school, both you know when he, you know after he spent a season at Morgan Park playing with I.O., to when he was at Prolific Prep playing with Coleman Hawkins. So there's some ties there, you know, with some Colonel Illini and then also a really good relationship already developed with Chen Coleman. So Amari Burnett wants to play wherever he winds up because he maybe wasn't playing as much as he wanted at Texas Tech. And if Io does leave, uh, that's 30-plus minutes a game that somebody's going to have to fill. Bob, we've got just uh, about 90 seconds left or so. Uh, tell me some of the things you're working on this week. I wrote a, a potpourri column, Matt suggest, suggested for tomorrow. I've got some uh, bread, beer, and more stuff coming in. A, actually, a column on how weird 2020 was in the regular paper. Yeah, we got a, a special section, too, coming out, uh, I believe, this Friday, uh, geared around Brett Bielema and his, his coaching staff that Bob spent a, a hearty chunk of his week working on uh, last week. And Scott Ritchie contributed as well, and then uh, Colin Likas as well. And then Brett Bielema has a, a Zoom call, actually, on Wednesday uh, with media that uh, we will be covering extensively uh, this week in the News Gazette. By the way, yesterday's paper, yesterday's sports page, mm-hmm. excellent. Thank you. And outside the sports page, too, because the Dion story was... Yeah, Anthony Zillis put together yeah. a really cool story on, on Dion Thomas that's up at uh, our website right now. I advise you to, to check it out if you haven't. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Scott, we'll see you 
We hope Friday night. <laughs> yeah, all of my fingers crossed. Yeah. Right, right, fast Friday. Bob, night, so. thanks for your time, buddy. As always, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See, See you, Bobby. That's going to take care of the show tonight for Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, and Bob Osmussen. I'm Steve Kelly. This has been Monday Night Sports Talk on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois Women's Basketball tonight at 7, the Brad Underwood Show at 7 on Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Have a good night, everybody. The House prepares to prosecute a controversial president a second time.